0: And you live your life in vanity. You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity. You caught a glimpse of the victor's crown in travesty.
1: I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, and with me is Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, deacon in the Diocese of Austin. Deacon Ronnie serves in the Restorative Justice Ministry, serving our incarcerated and officers in the city of Gatesville, Texas. I am the chaplain at Cedar Break Retreat Center in uh, Belton, Texas. And today we are continuing in our series of episodes. On the Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination, the Guidelines for Pastoral Care from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And if you've been listening to any of our previous episodes, you know that even though that's the document that we're going through, embedded in the document are any number of other resources from various saints, from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, a lot of good resource uh, that's woven into this document. Um, It's in two sections, general principles and then principles for pastoral care. We're still working our way through the general principles, and we begin today With the cultural obstacles uh, that are there for both uh, we who are not of a homosexual inclination and for those who are uh, to be able to move towards holy human sexuality, integrating our chaste selves and having our human sexuality be purposed for holiness. So uh, the document starts out by saying this on cultural obstacles. All ministry to persons with homosexual inclination must be guided by church teaching on sexuality. The basis of this ministry, if it is to be effective, has to be a true understanding of the human person and of the place of sexuality in human life. Departure from the church's teaching or silence about it in an effort to provide pastoral care is neither caring nor pastoral. That's from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And then the bishops continue in their document, the church cannot support organizations or individuals whose work contradicts, is ambiguous about, meaning it goes one way or the other without falling in anything concrete, or neglects her teaching, the church's teaching, on sexuality. All support should be withdrawn from any organizations which seek to undermine the teaching of the church, which are ambiguous about the teachings of the church, or which neglect the teachings of the church entirely. Such support, or even the semblance of such support, can be gravely misinterpreted. And, of course, I think between the lines, what they're addressing there are people of goodwill who are trying to reach out to this same group of souls, people who manifest either homosexual inclinations or who are living active lifestyles in a homosexual community. And at the same time, they want to partner with us. Um, The partnering is good, is what I hear them saying, but it can only really happen if they're abiding by our teachings on human sexuality. If there's mixed messages there, if um, there is a disregard for the teachings on of the church on human sexuality, then we do better not to partner with with groups of, of that nature. Uh, I know not everybody's going to agree with that, but that is what we we have, and and so that's what we want to to faithfully put on the table, and have people move towards um, when they when they can, and certainly in making decisions about with whom to partner if you're working with this particular group of people within your parish or diocesan uh, community. The church's teaching on homosexuality, this is the the bishop's document continues, is attentive to the natural law imprinted in human nature and faithful to the sacred scriptures. This teaching offers a beacon of light and hope in the midst of considerable confusion, intense emotion, and much conflict within our culture. However, there are various obstacles that make it more difficult for some people to recognize the wisdom contained in this teaching and then they go on and start to outline some of those obstacles. One obstacle is intolerance of those perceived as different. It remains true that some persons identified as homosexual are victims of violence. The fact that homosexual acts are immoral may never be used to justify violence or unjust discrimination. That's from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And the bishop's document continues. At the same time, there are features specific to contemporary Western culture that inhibit the reception of church teaching on sexual issues in general and on homosexuality in particular. For example, there is a strong tendency toward moral relativism in our society. Many do not admit an objective basis for moral judgments, meaning there are many people who believe that morality is different for you than it is for me, that there's nothing like a God who gives a morality that is suitable, situated, and beneficial for all people no matter what. There's people that, that push back on that. Uh, the document continues, they recognize no acts as intrinsically evil, meaning at their core or at their very being, evil, but maintain that judgments of good and bad are entirely subjective, meaning they're kind of whatever I want them to be. So there's no absolute truth. Correct. No absolute truth. In this view, matters of sexual morality should be left for individuals to decide according to their own preferences and values with the only restriction that they not cause manifest harm to another individual. Because church teaching insists that there are objective moral norms, there are those in our culture who portray our Catholic teaching as unjust, that is, as opposed to basic human rights. Such claims usually follow from a form of moral relativism that is joined, not without inconsistency, to a belief in the absolute rights of individuals. In this view, the church is perceived as promoting a particular prejudice and as interfering with individual freedom. In fact, the church actively asserts and promotes the intrinsic dignity of every person. As human persons, Persons with a homosexual inclination have the same basic rights as all people, including the right to be treated with dignity. Nevertheless, sexual orientation does not constitute a quality comparable to race, ethnic background, etc., in respect to non-discrimination. Therefore, it is not unjust, for example to limit the bond of marriage to the union of a woman and a man. It is not unjust to oppose granting to homosexual couples, to oppose granting to homosexual couples benefits that in justice should belong to marriage alone. When marriage is redefined so as to make other relationships equivalent to it, the institution of marriage is devalued and further weakened. The weakening of this basic institution at all levels and by various forces has already exacted too high a social cost. That quote comes from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops document between man and woman questions and answers about marriage and same-sex unions. That's a 20-year-old document now, but still very valid in its expression. Another common characteristic of Western societies that poses an obstacle to the reception of church teaching is the widespread tendency towards hedonism and obsession with the pursuit of pleasure. This tendency is closely related to the consumerism of our culture, which promotes an approach to life that is marked by a concern to maximize pleasure viewed from this perspective sexual relations are seen as simply another form of pleasure. Promiscuity is regarded as not only acceptable, but normal. The virtue of chastity becomes incomprehensible. It can even appear to be an unhealthy and unnatural denial of pleasure. Moreover, there are many in our society, particularly in the advertising and entertainment industries, who make enormous profits by taking advantage of this tendency and who work to promote it, by their actions given such strong influences in our culture it is not surprising that there are a number of groups active in our society that not only deny the existence of objective moral norms but also aggressively seek public approval for homosexual behavior the message of such groups misleads many people and causes considerable harm in the face of this challenge the church must continue her efforts to persuade people through rational argument the witness of her life, and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before we move on to the next major section, pastoral care, that's a lot that we just threw on the table. And it's a lot that people who are hearing this are probably shaking their heads at, either in approval or in disapproval. Very strong opinions out there on these things. At the root of it all, and as just got through stated, is a very fundamental disagreement about Moral truths that are for everybody versus moral truths that are just for individuals. They can pick or choose them, but you don't get to tell me how to live my life. The pleasure dynamic, that pleasure is the highest good in this life. And since there isn't another life beyond this life, then pleasure in this life is the only thing I need to be concerned with, which we would would certainly say you're really missing the boat on what pleasure really is all about. And so we understand, and for those of you that are hearing this and are close to turning off the radio because you so disagree, you know, we get it. But what we're saying in reply is there's a truth here that we really invite you to reconsider. There's a sense of how to see yourself and other people, how to map out what's good in your life and what's bad in your life, and that who knows best really is the God who created us. And we who believe we have received from that God by divine revelation, meaning from God's own will, the means to be able to say this is true for all and good for all. This is true for all and bad for all. And try to take that in and measure it through the experiences of your lives and see if maybe we just might be on to something.
0: I think that... Um... In terms of relativism, a lot of times it gives us permission to create the God that I like. And, and we know that boundaries are healthy for us in our own progression in terms of this life and relationships with each other. And we need to be more uh, attuned to the fact that uh, that is our plan for freedom. And, and it's just the opposite effect when we go down this path of, of this is what's going to make me happy. Uh, this is what it's going to be to be satisfied. And, and we see at the end of it it comes up short. Many times it comes up short. And I think that what we just have covered here really goes back and underscores in previous sessions the importance of, of living a, a most chaste life. That sense of that, from that life of, of, of chastity, I'm able to be free and totally free of giving myself to, to others and, and living an other-centered life, which is what Christian life is all about. That, that Christian love is one to the good of the other for the sake of the other. And when I've reduced this to this life of saying, oh, it's really what I can take from this for me, then that's a me-centered life. And I'm now living for, for myself. And, and that's a very selfish way of living. And that's it's posted our gospel
1: and its hearty. And you can do it. You can live the me-centered life. And you can go down that rabbit hole. And you can have an awful lot of moments of pleasure. And you can be self-satisfied at the end of each day and say that was a good day lived. But you know as well as we do that in your heart, Day in and day out, something's nagging, something's saying there's something missing here. It happens over and over and over again. And we know this by experience, joyful experience, because in the end, the way God made us is going to not go away and it's going to keep coming into our minds. It's going to keep coming up in our hearts. And when you're ready to say to yourself, there's got to be something more, we're here to say you're right. And the love of God in Jesus Christ is that something more. And everything that we're unpacking in this document, no matter how opposed you may be to it, how confused you might be, how much you want to accept it, but you just don't see yourself being part of that crowd, which is us, um, let yourself go there. Can't encourage you enough. Once you do, you'll know what you've been missing. You'll find things that you never knew that you could find. And it's the love, it's the truth, it's the healing. That a lot of these promises of the pleasure life offer, but they never can deliver, even though it may seem like they are for chunks of time in your life, ultimately you're going to be running up against that wall. And things are going to happen that require answers to questions that the pleasure life cannot give. Uh, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do people have to die? Why is there suffering? All of these different things that come up in the human heart, people of goodwill that allow themselves to live the pleasure life. And yet, we say, find that pleasure in the other. And the other is God, and the God that we find in, in one another, including those with whom we disagree. That leads us then to the second major piece of this uh Ministry to Persons with a Homosexual Inclination Guidelines for Pastoral Care, and it is the pastoral care guidelines themselves. And Deacon Ronnie, the first one is church participation.
0: As baptized members of the Catholic community, persons with a homosexual inclination continue to look to the church for a place where they may live an authentic life, a human integrity of holiness of life. And being welcome into the participation in their local faith community is the foundation of spiritual support that the church offers to them. Full and active participation is encouraged. And what we see there is the essential to the success of ministry to the person with a homosexual inclination will be support and leadership of the bishops and the pastoral leaders a welcoming stance of Christian love by the leadership and the community as a whole is essential for this important work. This is particularly important because more than a few persons with a homosexual inclination feel themselves to be unwelcome and rejected. Persons who experience same-sex attraction and yet are living in accord with church teaching should be encouraged to take active role, an active role in the life of the faith community However, the church has a right to deny roles of service to those whose behavior violates her teaching. Such service may seem to condone an immoral lifestyle and may even lead to
1: occasions of of scandal. Probably good for us to pause and take that one on for a little bit of discussion because it is a very sore point in a lot of cases because it it can come across sounding like the church is talking out of both sides of her mouths. We invite you who have a, a homosexual inclination into our midst. Christian love, it says, by leadership and community as a whole is essential for this important work, important to uh, that, uh, that many persons with a homosexual inclination feel themselves to be unwelcomed and rejected. That's on you and me. That's on our sense of. And so before you ever even get in the presence of somebody that you look at and say, oh, that's got to be a homosexual person they're going to feel that right away. They're going to feel your hackles. They're going to see your body language pulling back. Praying our way into not doing that is part of how we assist people to make the decision to walk away from the inclination to practice those virtues and to live that chaste life. But if they see the hackles, if they see the withdrawn body language, if they feel a sense of disdain and I'm looking down my nose at you because you're standing next to me in mass – The people that want to agitate them back into that life have an easy way to get them to come back because they're going to make them feel welcomed, at least initially, even though it's a shallow welcome. It's for us to be able to overcome some of our own obstacles, our own individual things and say, I must be welcoming because my church is asking me to be. And in so doing, I can assist this person in living a chaste life.
0: I agree, but we would also say that uh, roles of ministry or service would also be uh, denied to a heterosexual who is living an immoral life as well. No so question we're about We're not going to sit and be able to say we have a double standard here. Uh, but what we're calling them though to is not not obstacles, but opportunities for growth. You know, we can grow in holiness. We can grow in our service to to our God and to each other, and and that's what's that's what's important, and that invitation to, to change an invitation to embrace what is holy and true. And that practice will lead us to a fuller relationship with God and each other. I think also the um, the special care ought to be taken to ensure that those carrying out the ministry of the church not to use their position of leadership to advocate positions or behaviors not in keeping with the teachings of the church. They must not belong to groups that oppose church teachings. Uh, This is not sufficient for those Individuals, excuse me, this is not sufficient for those involved in this ministry to adopt a position of distant neutrality with regard to church teaching. For uh, some persons, revealing their homosexual tendencies to a certain close friends, family members, a spiritual director, confessor, or members of a church support group may provide some spiritual and emotional help and aid them in their growth in the Christian life. In the context of parish life, however, general public self disclosure are not helpful and should not be encouraged. Sad to say, there are many persons with homosexual inclinations who feel alienated from the church. Outreach programs and evangelization efforts ought to be mindful of such persons. In areas where there is a large consecration or gathering of homosexual persons, Individuals may profit, excuse me, profitably be dedicated solely to outreach ministry to them and other areas ministry to persons with a homosexual inclination should be included as part of an overall evangelical and evangelization efforts. Church policies should explicitly reject unjust discrimination and harassments of any persons, including those with homosexual inclinations and procedures should be in place to handle complaints, I think again we just have to be very uh, mindful of our own actions as 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 pastoral care ministers and who were who's in, who's being presented to us, and that importance of, of being able to provide a welcome community to, to all people, but also see that uh, the importance of of setting up a, a healthy growth of practices uh, as they continuing their spiritual journey is important for us as church.
1: And on the other side, as it's stated in there, um, if the behavior violates the teaching of the church, then that can't be condoned. There can't be a, a sense of scandal. So if, for example, um, in, in your parish, if this is you, you know, if you are of a homosexual inclination, and by appearance or the sound of your voice, you have people say over and over again, oh, are, are you, you know, homosexual, and, you say, yes, but I'm chaste and I'm living that life, you know, and, and you come to mass, you come to communion, you do all those things. That's encouraged. But let's say you come with a partner and you walk hand-in-hand hand to go up to communion, and you kiss each other right before you receive Holy Communion, of course that's going to be scandalous. Of course that's not going to be condoned. Of course that's not going to be something that's consistent with what we're we're talking about here. And you're going to get talked to. Somebody's going to pull you aside afterwards and say, hey, look, that's something that we can't be doing here. But like Deacon Ronnie mentioned earlier, that goes the same for heterosexuals as well. Um, the same could be said that that if you've got, that, you know, two people that are serving as extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion and they're each in a married relationship and they walk up and, and kiss each other bef- before they receive Holy Communion. That's scandalous, too. You can't have that. And they're going to get talked to as well. So we've got to understand there are limits. There are boundaries. We can't just willy-nilly go into these things and and, and just express whatever we want. We have to be trying to live that chaste life. And in that way, we more fully participate in the life of the church and give witness to to the Lord Jesus Christ as well. A lot of this has to do with catechesis. And uh, that's— coming towards the uh, final couple of sections here uh, of our pastoral care component, um, catechesis ought to reflect the fullness of the church's teaching on human sexuality in general and homosexuality in particular. I think that's an important point. It's, it's saying, look, we're not going to just isolate homosexuality, and we're doing that today for the purposes of these episodes. But homosexuality is situated within the whole of human sexuality, and there's goods and there's bads to be wrought from all of it. We're all charged with seeing what the church teaches, embracing it each in our own ways, and then reflecting it in our lives. So I like that the document constantly says, hey, we're not just targeting homosexuality. It is situated itself within a larger topic of human sexuality in general.
0: Yeah, I I think that underscores the importance of us recognizing the Christ in each other, that the Christ in you reaches out and embraces the Christ in me, and that that's a very important part. That that it's not we're not uh, completing, uh, we're not building these compartments or compartmentalizing anybody in terms of their inclinations or their sexual orientations. But we're we're calling them to be um, the uh, the sons and daughters of God that, that He created
1: us to be. And in their words, again back in the document, moral conscience requires that in every occasion. Christians give witness to the whole moral truth, which is contradicted both by approval of homosexual acts and unjust discrimination against homosexual persons. As always, when we conclude these episodes, and we'll have one more to finish out, we want to end with our litany because, as we all know, for us to engage in this very challenging topic, we need prayer and we need the help of our God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy God, mighty God, benevolent creator and lover of all life, I praise you and I glorify you. Calm my mind and still my body. Bring me to a deep awareness, O my Father in heaven, of your presence to me right here, right now, above me, below me, behind me and before me, around me and beside me, within me, as I lovingly contemplate your goodness and as I humbly bring my petitions to you for the special intentions within my heart today. St. Jude, patron saint of
0: perseverance, pray for us. Holy family of Nazareth, model for all families, guard our families. Jesus, son of man, truest lover of every soul, have mercy on every member of our family. Jesus, son of God, teacher of humility, have mercy on us. Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of Families, pray for our families.
1: St. Joseph, patron saint of fathers, pray for the fathers of our families.
0: St. John Vianney, patron saint of priests, pray for
1: holy and chaste priests. Sacred Heart of Jesus, fount of all life and holiness, have mercy on our families.
0: St. Margaret Mary of Alcombe, patron of those devoted to the Sacred Heart, pray for us.
1: St. Michael, the archangels, our safeguard against the snares of the devil, protect our families.
0: St. Augustine, restless until you found rest in God, pray for our restless children. St. Francis de Sales, teacher of the devout life, pray for our families. St. Monica, patron saint of mothers, pray for the mothers of our families. St. Monica, mother of so many tears, pray for us. St. Monica, whose prayers for your son were answered,
1: pray for our children. St. Andrew, who brought Peter to Jesus, pray for all those who bring our children to Jesus. St. Ambrose, exemplary life,
0: companion to St. Augustine, pray for the companions of our children.
1: St. John Bosco, patron saint of young people, pray for our children.
0: St. Thomas Aquinas, re doctor of the church, pray for Holy Mother Church. St. Charles Luanga, defender of chastity, pray for our children. St. Margaret of Cortona, patron saint against sexual temptations, pray for our children.
1: St. Terribio, defender of God's truth, forgotten in worldly customs, pray for our family.
0: Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, who persevered through so, so much sorrow, pray for peace within our families.
1: Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, who knew grief, pray for us in our grief for our children.
0: St. Bridget of Sweden, graced with heavenly visions, pray for our
1: families. St. John Paul II, devoted to Mary, families, and youth, pray for our family.
0: Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who leads us beside restful waters, have mercy on our families.
1: Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who leaves the 99 to go after one who goes astray, have mercy on our children. Jesus, the good shepherd, meek and humble of heart, in whom I place
0: my trust, have mercy on us.
1: And we invite you to be with us for our final episode as we conclude our time with ministry to persons with a homosexual inclination guidelines for pastoral care. We thank you for your attention to what we've been speaking of. We ask you to pray that we as church may enter into these conversations and efforts. To be a communion of love, of welcome, but also of truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brother, if you walk with me, brother, will you walk with me?